0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Church podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at @myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us and we hope you enjoy this message. Was me. You can take a seat. God bless you. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to Emmanuel Church. We are so glad that you are here with us today. If you are joining us online, thank you for joining us as well. We are glad that you are here. Uh, Welcome to the month of April. Did anybody do any April Fool's jokes for April 1st? Y'all pull any jokes? No? No? I was thinking about that day. I was like, who invented this holiday? And why is it like so well known? But I don't know. Welcome to April. Uh, we are so glad that you are here with us in the month of April. Uh, some upcoming things that are going on this past Saturday. Well, first, let's look back. This past Saturday, we had yesterday. Uh, this past Saturday, is so long ago, uh, we had our very first interest meeting for Safe Haven Church. We are thankful for everybody that show, uh, showed support yesterday. And if you didn't get a chance to be with us yesterday, um, the next coming months uh, May, June, and July we will also be meeting the first Saturday of every month. And look what locations to be determined at this point. But we are still meeting, so you still have a chance to meet up with us, pray with us. Uh, and learn more about what we are still doing with Safe Haven Church. And we're excited about that. Coming up this month is the, the, uh, the Easter. We celebrate Easter this month, which is an important time for the church. Uh, on Easter, April the 17th, We're not going to be having our one o'clock service, but we're going to be part with our uh, Spanish congregation on that day, on April the 17th. That weekend, there are other events going on, so we will keep you updated about what is happening as uh, we make plans for that weekend. So make plans, Easter weekend, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, uh, to be a part of what is going on here at the church. So uh, that is looking forward, but we are... Today, uh, in the month of April, starting a brand new series called A Place at the Table. A Place at the Table. And uh, I really uh, am excited for this series. I hope you you will enjoy the messages that I bring this month. So we're going to talk three weeks about tables. Tables. Tables are important in the Bible. There's a lot of table stories in the Bible, you know. But when they say, say table, just a fun historical fact, when they say table in the, in the Bible context, it's not like tables we have. They did not they didn't have like tall tables like we have. But we got tall chairs, tall tables, like medium tables, medium chairs. No, they had, their tables were on the floor. And that's why when you read in the Bible, they would say they were reclining at the table. They were like literally laying down, eating, chilling, having a good time. That's how, that's how tables worked back then. And so, I I have a message today, and I'm going to give you the title of my message in a minute. But we're going to start today in the book of Matthew, chapter 9. The book of Matthew, chapter 9, we're going to be reading verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. So if you follow along with me, it's also here on the screen. For those of you watching in the home, it's also with you. Um, So let's go. The Word of God says like this, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why why indeed? Why, Why does he do that? They don't even confront Jesus himself. They asked the disciples, they're like, we don't even want to talk to him. There's a reason for it was bad to associate with people like that. And they did not want to associate with them so they asked them the disciples it says, And hearing this though, Jesus responds to them and he said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come to call the right not I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. I have not come to call the righteous but call the sinners. Jesus was often known as someone who associated with the people that others would not. He was known as a friend of sinners. He was known as a friend of people who were outcasts of society. He was known to associate, eat with, talk with, be with, spend time with. People that religious leaders and the holy people of His day did not want to come in contact with. This is who Jesus was. And that's important for us today. But, but, but see, Jesus let anybody be with Him. Jesus let anybody be with Him. But I don't think... The, the, there's a big problem today where that doesn't happen. A lot of times, we try to keep... Or the church has been historically known to keep people out instead of welcoming people in. In other words... They're gatekeeping. I don't know if you all are familiar with the phrase gatekeeping. I don't know if you've heard the phrase. Gatekeeping, uh, not like guarding some kind of gate or anything like that, but basically a metaphorical gate. Gatekeeping, there's like an epidemic of gatekeeping nowadays. There's gatekeeping. uh, Gatekeeping means you want to keep someone out, or you have a standard that makes it... So, someone can participate in liking or being a part of something. Particularly, it references things like fandoms. Like if you're a fan of movies. Anybody a fan of movies? Yeah? movies? Marvel movies? You like Marvel movies? DC movies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we're a fan of things like that. There are people that are fans of video games. There are fa- people that are fans uh, of, of food. Uh, people that are fans of music of particular types of music, particular types of food. And yet, there are people within our society and our culture that would gatekeep everything that they can get their hands on. And they would see if you are worthy of being part of the fandom. You know, this is particularly popular nowadays with the popularity of Marvel movies over the past decade or so, that people will tell you, well, you're not a real fan. And why am I not a real fan? Because I don't know all the history of the comic books of a certain character. I don't know all the history uh, of the way it was done before. Or, or, or I like a movie that everybody, all, the, all the fans who have been fans before, they said that it's wrong, it's the wrong story, it's the wrong way. They didn't do it right. And if you like that movie, you're not a real fan. They gatekeep. They say, you don't belong in the fandom. They, they do that with movies, they do that with TV shows, they, they do it with uh, sports teams. Uh, you, you can't be a fan of this team. Uh, why, uh, well, you got to name, like, all the players on the team. And unless you know the players on the team, then you can't be a fan. I don't know any of the Astros players right now. But I am, like, from Houston, and so if I'm a supported team, it's going to be the Houston, it's going to be the Rockets, not really the Texans, but, you know, uh, we, we, you want to pri- have pride in the team from your city and things like that. You may not know everything about them, but you'll root for them. But then there are people that say, well, no, you're not a real fan. You can't be a real fan because you don't know anything. You can't really enjoy it. You can't enjoy it because you don't know anything about sports. I know people tell me that because I don't know nothing. Or right, you're only a bandwagon fan. Oh, they're winning now, so you're a bandwagon fan. <laughs> and you see, that's okay. Or, or maybe they, you don't like a certain something, uh, a certain way of making coffee. And they're like, oh, you make you don't like this way of making You're not a real coffee enthusiast. You don't like coffee. Oh, you like K-cups? You don't really like coffee. They're easy. <laughs> now pop it in the machine. There you go, coffee. But people do that all the time they tell you you can't like something you can't be a part of a fandom you can't like this music because you you haven't listened to the old stuff and you're just a new fan and and they, and they honestly it's just that they don't let people enjoy things it's like can't i not just enjoy this game can i not just enjoy this show just enjoy this movie this my, enjoy rooting for this team can, can i not just enjoy these things if it were up to the gatekeepers no You can't, because you don't truly belong in that space. We gatekeep. But the problem is, things like that, gatekeeping, can end up in a lot of different areas of our life, and it can become part of our faith. We become Christians who gatekeep whether you are worthy or not of being in that space. You can't come to church because you're not dressed like us. You can't come to church because you don't talk like us. You don't look like us. You don't like the same kinds of music that we do. You can't be a Christian because you like heavy metal Christian music. You're not a real Christian. You're not a real Christian. You're not a real Christian because you say you're this or you're that. You identify this way and you can't be a real Christian. In politics today, it's like, you can't be a real Christian because you're a Republican. You can't be a real Christian because you're a Democrat. We gatekeep. We put up barriers for people to be part of the community that we belong to. I say, you cannot be here if. See, that doesn't work. Because that is not how Jesus intended things to be for the church on earth today. See, we pick and choose. We like to pick and choose who can belong and who 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 gets a pass and who doesn't. Who can walk through those doors and who can't. And sometimes we do it overtly. We say there are people and pastors and preachers and churches that say it from the pulpit, you can't be here if. And they exclude people. They immediately close the doors on them. Sometimes we do it through our actions when someone new walks in the door and we look them up and down like, who are you and why are you here?" I don't know you. It's like my cats. We recently took my cats uh, to the vet. Nothing's wrong with them. Uh, but they they had their regularly uh, scheduled dental and they had to clean their teeth and so they, they put them to sleep for that. Uh, if you don't know that, they put them to sleep so that they won't bite them, you know, just in case. Uh, and so we took one of them a, couple, a few weeks back, and then uh, we had to make another one for our old cat, Raina. And we brought her back. Um, this was just two days ago. We brought her back. And our littlest cat, Zelda, when she got back, when Raina got back, she saw her, and she started hissing at her like she had never seen her before in her life. Like, who are you? And that's what what cats do when they see something strange or new or or unknown to them or an animal or a person that they don't know, they don't like. They hide, they hiss, they they back away from you. And that's what we do sometimes. We don't even realize that we're doing it, but we look people up and down. We avoid them. We don't talk to them. We're like, who is this person? And so so with our actions, we tell people, you're not welcome here. We gatekeep, and we don't even realize that we're gatekeeping. But why do we do that? I think there's two reasons that Christians gatekeep why you can and can't be in the church. The first one is the idea that somehow we are this chosen people that is better than everybody else. And it's not that we say that. It's not that we say that outright, but we, like I've said, through our actions, believe that inside ourselves. When we see someone that is struggling in life, we say, "Man, I would never do that." Or have you ever read the read the Bible and read a story, and you're like, "Man, if I was there," or if you heard someone say, "You know, if I was with Jesus, if I was the disciples those those days, I wouldn't have done that." Goodness, how arrogant do we think we are? That we think that we're so much better than everyone else that somehow we have the right to choose who gets to come and who gets to go. And it's subtle because pride is a silent killer. Sometimes we don't even know we're prideful. We refuse to be corrected. We don't like to be corrected. We take correction as a personal attack. We take someone else's opinion as a personal attack. It's like, how dare you? How dare you? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? We see a lot of videos nowadays with uh, stuff like that. They call them Karens and Daves. I was like, don't you know who I am? No! (laughs) Who are you? We don't know. We have this idea that somehow, because we have chosen to follow Jesus, that we are better than anybody else. And so this pride gets into our lives and and makes it that we keep other people out and we don't allow them in. We say, you don't belong here because you haven't been a Christian as long as I have. And then we see celebrities are are people of influence and they give their lives to Jesus and say, that's not real. That's not real. So short-lived. They're not going to keep it. They're not going to keep it going. Who do we think we are? We put ourselves on this pedestal that somehow that we are better and we have the right to choose who belongs in this place. Pride. Pride makes us gatekeep. It makes us close the doors to people. Second thing that keeps us gatekeeping is fear. Could be fear of the unknown. Not not change is hard. Change in the world is hard. So much so that when new technology happens, uh, like explodes onto the scene in the world today, that sometimes it's met with a lot of animosity and fear. And it's like, what is this? Why is this? Do we don't need this? You know, we 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 wouldn't even imagine what it would be like nowadays to be able to live without a phone. Because we need it for pretty much everything—to connect with anyone, to to buy and sell, and whatever—you know, this, this, this phones are like an extension. They're not even phones anymore. Ninety percent of the time, we don't even talk to people with them. <laughs> we're not on the phone talking to people anymore. See, I do this. If you were born like Gen Z or whatever, you probably think like phones like this, because they're like squares now. But I was—I'm Millennial, so I was born when we still had the hangout phones. But when technology itself happens like that, it, it, it's it's fearful. People become afraid. And they blame and they yell. And oftentimes the church has been in that space and looks at things that are new and says that has to be of the devil. When televisions were first the advent, there, there were a lot of Christians writing out that says TV is from the devil because it has two horns and a tail. It's like, The internet is of the devil. They're everything. No, These are just tools, but new things, chip. fear, fear of the unknown. So we gatekeep people, we gatekeep things from being part of the church, from being ways that we can do things and reach people, because we say that cannot possibly be of God. They cannot be from God because they're not. They're, they're not like us. Fear keeps us out. Fear of possibly being wrong. We try to exclude certain denominations of Christianity or certain ways of believing faith in Jesus or expressions of worship because we look at that and we say, no, they can't be right because I'm right. But if they're right, that means I'm wrong. and So we exclude people and we say, I am the one that has the right truth. My church has the right truth. So we exclude people. We don't even fathom the idea that, guess what? That we could probably both be right or both be wrong. <laughs> Who knows? Once heard a Christian comedian say, "He says that's why heaven's going to take eternity. It needs to take eternity because God has to sort all of us out. <laughs> got a lot of things wrong, but we have this fear that keeps us from keeping people or bringing people on the inside because they don't believe the way I do, and I think that they're wrong." But then somewhere deep inside us, we say, but what if they're right? But I don't want that. I want to keep them out away so that I can still keep on going and believing that I am right in my place. So fear causes us to gatekeep. Fear causes us to gatekeep. And so we do that. We, we, we manipulate the way we do things. We manipulate the Bible to choose what we want it to say. You know, a lot of people have this idea that people cherry-pick the Bible so that they can justify their sins. But oftentimes, the people that I find are the ones that are justifying their sins through cherry-picking are the ones that are calling others cherry-pickers. Other people are looking at the Bible and they're reading it and they're under, trying to understand it and they're looking at context and stuff and says, no, you see, you don't look at that stuff. You, you don't, that, that's of the devil, context. If you understand the context, that's just the devil. What does what that even mean? But those people, they use words like that. They use fear. They push. Put use pushback because they don't want to struggle and, and get to the truth that the gospel is something dramatically different than they think it is and that Jesus has said some difficult things that do not align with the way they believe. Jesus said to the rich, Give all your money away and give it to the poor. That's a metaphor. No. Jesus said that a lot to a lot of rich people. I don't think he was just saying it to say it or saying it to sound fancy. He said, it's impossible for the rich to get into the heaven. It'll be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It'll be easier for a camel. A camel. Have you ever seen a camel? i'm I'm like, okay, I'm gonna say six feet, but I'm actually five eleven. I'm five eleven, <laughs> but camels are they're, they're huge animals that you wouldn't even believe they're bigger than cars. Some of them are bigger than cars. you ever seen a moose? walk I've seen videos of moose, mooses, mees, I don't know. mooses. Walking down the highway in like Alaska, and they're like towering over every vehicle. These creatures are big, and said, uh, it would be easier, Jesus said, for a camel to go to the eye of a needle. But people who tell others they're cherry picking, they don't want to go and talk about that, because they're like, no, that's not what he meant, because I have money, and I don't want to get rid of my money We do the things that we do, but we don't realize how much more expensive, and I'll get to a second about the rich people thing. I'll go back to that. We try to justify ourselves, and we ignore parts of the Bible, and we try to pick and choose, and we keep people out the door that Jesus wanted to come inside. We keep the poor people out, because they they don't, they don't dress right. They don't look the part. They don't got the Sunday's best. So they don't belong here. A cousin of mine did a sermon way back when. I don't even know. And he preached here at the church. And he came dressed in dirty clothes. And he sat at the back. And he said that no one talked to him. Some people gave him dirty looks. And then when they called him up to preach, he took off and he had like his church clothes underneath. And people were kind of like flabbergasted. Because we don't like that. We don't like we don't like people who do not fit our image of what a Christian should be or a church should be. So we try to pick and we try to decide. But when we decide, we decide on behavior, we decide on merit, we decide on peripherals, we decide on things that don't even matter in the long run. But see, that's not what Jesus looks like, that's not what he sees when he looks at people. When we decide, we close the door. And we don't realize how big our influence is on people who do not know Jesus. When we shut the doors to people or we tell people that they don't belong, there's a chance that they may never set foot in a church again. They may never want to have anything to do with Jesus or Christians ever again because we have shut the door in their face. And they look at the church and they say, why don't you want to believe in God or in Jesus? Because they told me I don't belong, that I'm not worthy. We don't realize the consequences of our actions. We tell people that they need to shape up before they can be allowed into the space. We make these decisions and we exclude everyone that God wants to love. And as a consequence, we put ourselves in the position of God we think we have the authority to decide who and who cannot be in the church who can who and cannot be at the table we put ourselves in god's position oh, no no i'm just speaking for god no 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 we have to uh, we have to check our hearts check our actions because if we think we pres- presumably speak for god then we might be missing something we need to look back we need to check back we need to check our hearts because we need to be careful about who how we do things we can end up being a shut door that someone will never come back to that space again. See, because Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is more radical. It is bigger. It is deeper. It is wider. It is far, more far-reaching than oftentimes we allow it to be. Rachel Held Evans, an author who passed away recent uh, a couple of years back, she once wrote, what makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but it's who it lets in. What makes the gospel offensive to people is who it lets in, not who it keeps out. Another quote I, I found in one of my studies of this, Pope Francis said, It is by our deeds that Jesus asks us to include everyone, because as Christians, we do not have the right to exclude others, nor to judge or to close the doors on them. We do not have the right to close the door on other people. Because this is the gospel. The gospel is more inclusive than we ever imagined it to be. The doors are wider open than we ever imagined it to be. In the Bible, who do we see Jesus make space for? I'm going to go over a few. Jesus made space in the New Testament times for women and children. There are a lot of denominations, a lot of places today where still women do not have a voice in their churches. Second-class citizens at times. And even in our nation, there are a lot of things where women are still seen as second-class citizens in a lot of different ways in our world. But Jesus made space for women and children. That's important because in his day, women were not allowed to own property. They were property. They didn't have a voice. Their voice was whatever their husband said. And if they weren't married, they didn't have a voice. They didn't have nothing to say. Children. You ever heard the phrase, it's better for children to be seen and not heard? That's where that comes from, that idea. Children should not be seen, should be seen but not heard. And sometimes, in some cases, they shouldn't be seen either. Just go away. Hi. Even though the Bible often calls children a blessing, they were still treated like nothing. So if one died, it's okay. I can get another. I can make another. Sorry. Children and women in the New Testament days were represented those who did not have power, those who were oppressed, whose voices were silenced. Today, Jesus makes space for those people. The immigrants who are being shut out, who are being put in cages, who are being put in places that they shouldn't be, who have no voice to say how they should be treated. And even if they say something, they're not listened to, they're not heard. Those who are oppressed, through racism, those who are oppressed, through systematic powers and governments, the oppressed people who have no voice, Jesus welcomed them and said, You have a place at my table. The sinners and the tax collectors, in this verse in particular, they said, Why are you dining with sinners and tax collectors? Tax collectors were so bad in their eyes that they were worse than sinners. They had their own category sinners and tax collectors because they were seen as traitors. Tax collectors in those days were people of the own people who lived in that region. So they were Jewish people who were working for the Romans who extorted their power to steal from their fellow Jews. Their own people. They were exploitive. They were nasty people. You know, we don't like the IRS today a lot of times because the IRS takes our money. But they weren't like that. They would charge double, triple even, and they'd ca- pocket the extra. It's like, you got five gold coins to tax, that's your, that's your tax. That's the tax rate the Romans put. I'm just making a scenario. Is there, I'm going to charge you 15, and the rest of it's mine. I'll give five to Rome, keep the 10. And that's what they would do. They would exploit, and so they had their own category, because they're like, they're, they are the worst of the worst. The sinners and the tax collectors, Jesus deemed those who we might consider evil and hopeless and lost to their sins, Jesus said, you have a place at my table. In fact, Jesus even went to their tables and said, I have space at your table if you'll welcome me. The the tax collector Zacchaeus said, Jesus, you come to my house. Actually, no. Jesus invited himself. He says, I'm going to your house. And he said, come on. My table's open for you. And he worked to turn his life around. Even the people that we would deem evil and dark, Jesus had a place for them at his table. Jesus welcomed the Jews and the Gentiles. If you don't know what a Gentile is, that's you. If you're not Jewish, that's you. The word Gentile meant everybody that wasn't Jewish or wasn't of the Hebrew people. If you weren't from the nation of Israel, you were Gentile. That's what they would refer to to them. And so Jesus welcomed both Jews and Gentiles. His ministry included both. In other words, Jesus broke down racial barriers. And he said, everyone of every race has a place in my table. It's not that Jesus didn't see color, because that's something that we like to say, I don't see color. That's not something good to strive for. Because we are all different and unique. God created us differently and uniquely. And if we say we don't see color, then we're missing the uniqueness that God created. God said, in their beauty, and all the colors of the rainbow, rainbow to welcome at my table. He broke down all the barriers and dividers that people would put, social classes. He said, women and children and Jews and Gentile, From wherever you are from, you are welcome at my table. He welcomed the sick and the disabled, those who are lepers, who are outcasts in society. If you don't know how lepers live, leprosy is a disease that thankfully in in most of the world does not exist today. There are a few pockets of leprosy that still do exist in certain parts of the world, but it is mostly eradicated. And it was a terrible disease that in the, the actual leprosy, because sometimes they just call something leprosy. If it was le- you had a rash, that's leprosy. <laughs> Get out! And that's how they would treat them. If you had leprosy, you had to live outside of the city. They had set up special camps and said, this is where you live. You don't live in the city. You live away from everybody else. And what what is your food scraps if we can get them to you? If we can get them to you. They were left essentially to die on the outskirts because of their sickness. And leprosy would cause the skin to turn white and sores to form and you would lose feeling and your skin, and you wouldn't have anything. And they were left to just die, to be on their own. They weren't allowed to be in the same spaces as everybody else. And if they were allowed in the city, it was only during certain times of the day when everybody else was out of the way. So they wouldn't buy themselves nothing. They were left on their own. People who were disabled, who couldn't walk, who couldn't see Oftentimes would sit at the temple gates and beg because people didn't see them as people. They were less than. But Jesus included them and welcomed them and made them part of his kingdom. He says, You have a place at my table. You are welcome here. Jesus welcomed everyone. When the Bible says in John 3 16, it says, Whoever believes, that's whoever. matter where you look like where you come from what you believe how you identify nothing none of that matters to Jesus' that, that and that's why the gospel is offensive because there are so many people that would think and presume themselves to be God or speak for God and say I have the right and the authority to exclude and Jesus says no because I open the doors for every single person. everyone is welcome at my table. Everyone. See, because he said, I I, I didn't come. I didn't come for those who are perfect. I didn't come for the people who have it all figured out. I didn't come for the people that know what they're doing. They're righteous and they're holy. And they know exactly what to do and how to live their life. I didn't come for those people. He said, I came for the sick. I came. For those who are broken, it came. Like for those who need me. And the kickers, the people that Jesus was talking about, the ones that have it all together—they don't exist. They're not. They're not real. The perfect—they don't. No one's perfect. No one exists. And that's why He said, "I welcome everybody." You know, that verse I said a second ago, I said how rich people won't get into heaven. Jesus meant that. He said they won't get into heaven. He said, but God, with God, all things is possible. He said, so I can turn things around and allow a space for them too. The people that everybody else would exclude or everybody else would discount. I am here for all people. All doors, all my doors are open. There is space enough at my table for everyone. What we have to do, and I'm about to finish, what we have to do is we have to stop the gatekeeping. We have to stop being at the doors and say, you don't belong here. We have to drop our prejudices. We have to drop our hatred. Our, we have to drop the things that tell us that we are better than other people. We have to drop these things that would be, get in the way, this pride and fear that would get in the way of other people coming through the door to meet Jesus. Because that was who Jesus was. If we want to be like Jesus, because that's the goal, that's the, that's what we say that we're working towards, to be like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, then something radical has got to happen. The gospel is offensive. I love that quote from Rachel Held Evans. The gospel is offensive not because of who it keeps out, but because of who it lets in. And people get angry when we let people in that they don't like or they don't agree with or they don't look the same or they don't act the same or they don't live the same. And Jesus said, you all got a spot here, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the sick, the broken, the women, the children from every nation under earth. Jesus came to fulfill a promise that started in the Old Testament and told Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a nation one day. You ain't got no kids right now, but I'm going to give you a nation. And your descendants will claim this place, but it's more than that, Abraham. It's more than that. He said, because through you, all the rules of the temple. No, I'm going to bless everybody that looks at it. No, I am going to bless every nation through you. And Jesus is the culmination of that. And through Jesus, he came to bless every nation, to set every person free, to give everyone life, to give everyone a chance to know him, to know who he is, to sit with savior, the God of the universe talk with him walk with him, eat with him serve with him live with him
1: that is who's at Jesus' table
0: so that's what we need that's the title of my message today here it is at the end, stop gatekeeping no more, don't stand in the way any longer, don't stand in the way Whoever walks through those doors, whoever walks through the doors of your life, they have space there. So that they can meet Jesus. That's who Jesus wants, wants us to live. How he wants us to live? To love every single person we come in contact with. Would you stand with me this afternoon, Father, this Easter season change our hearts. We do a lot of celebrating about the work you did through the cross to set us free from sin, to set us free from death. But let us remember that that is extended to every person. Every person we meet Every place we go, not just this place, but everywhere. That love is extended to them. That grace is extended to them. That they have a space with their name on it saved for them at the table. So help us to love better. Help us to change. Help us to work on our hearts. To abandon prejudice. To abandon ideas. To abandon theology that would keep us, that would keep the doors closed. That we might. Show the world how your love sets us all free. We thank you, Jesus. Help us grow. Help us see. So everybody knows that you have a place, Jesus. You have a place here. Whoever's watching online, if you're listening online, you're here. You have a place, and Jesus welcomes you with open arms, We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com give Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.